0: 30 seconds into this, and we have already hit like a huge, huge disagreement.
1: Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Kareem from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list
2: welcome listeners to our very first episode of keep it fictional thank you so much for tuning in i'm virginia and i'm here with corinne fiona liz and sadie my fellow book lovers and co-workers from the port moody public library So, Miss Corrine, would you mind telling our listeners what this podcast is all about? Sure would,
3: Virginia. Keep It Fictional is a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. So the five of us are voracious readers. We read all the books, but we all read very different books. So you're guaranteed to find something in this podcast that you are going to want to add to your library holds list. As a little warning, you're going to get a lot of very strong opinions, voraciously and angrily said, Um, but we all love each other, we all love books, and we just want to share that love with you.
2: Well, let's do a quick round of introduction to ourselves so that our listeners can find out what kind of readers we are. So each of us is going to talk about the genres or the types of books that we are passionate about. And... We're gonna use five words to describe our ideal book. So Fiona, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
0: Yes, so I'm a youth services librarian and I do love YA and kids books, but I also get to read some adult books. And my five words are emotional, earnest, hashtag own voice, educational, and quirky. I am less of like a specific type of book reader and more like, does it give me that feeling? My dislikes um, are mainly genre fiction.
2: Did you just say you hate genre fiction?
0: No, I didn't say I hate it. I said I disliked it.
3: Sorry, Fiona, what's the difference between dislike and hate?
0: Um, Politeness.
3: So, sorry, what is it about the magnificent, wonderful, varied geography of genre fiction that you dislike
0: so much. I don't think I like to know exactly what's going to happen in a book, like exactly what, what uh, form it's going to follow. Man, we're like, we're like 30 seconds into this and we have already hit like a huge, huge disagreement. All right, well, I'm gonna finish my uh, my intro and hopefully what I say will make you feel a little bit better. <laughs> um, I love elements of like thrillers and romance and mystery, um, but I find that a lot of those like, you know, like really hard genre fiction is more uh, plot driven. So I like things that um, intertwine different genres. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody's feeling any better. All right. What I do like are graphic novels, memoir and autobiography, indigenous lit, LGBTQIA lit, realistic YA fiction, and anything that is character driven. I'm not the kind of person who says I'm going into the mystery section because I need a good mystery. Maybe I pick up a book I'm interested in and it has mystery elements, but I'm not like heading there.
2: Okay. It's all good. Like Corinne said earlier, we all like very, very different things. Each going to believe that we are right and the other people are wrong. It's all going to be okay. So Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes.
4: Well, I thought I was uh, pretty particular about uh, what I read and what I don't read, but apparently not in this group. So what I do really gravitate towards reading uh, would be Japanese fiction that's been translated into English, particularly works that are set in the modern day and are um, slice of life type of books. I also really do enjoy a great biography or memoir, as well as graphic novels and manga. So whether um, those are more geared towards children or young adults or adults. um, I enjoy reading the whole spectrum of graphic novels and manga. I also do enjoy a really good nonfiction, deep dive uh, investigative journalistic book or a good thriller with a smattering of other genres in there as well. But those are probably my core go-to types of reads. As for the five words that would describe an ideal book for me, this was really, really difficult for me to narrow it down to just five words. And I know Corinne would probably say one of my words is evocative. That was a strong contender, but I'd say my five words would be character-driven, engrossing, thought-provoking, insightful. So insightful as in... Insightful to the human condition and how we see the world and also vivid. Now I'm getting some flack that I may have exceeded the five words. However, I like using hyphens. So character driven, character hyphen driven and thought hyphen provoking.
3: That's cheating and you know it. I I support you,
1: Liz. I support you. I just right straight out went over the limit. So I might add some hyphens, um, some hyphens into mine as well. Yeah.
4: Thank you, Sadie. It's, you can't, you know, you can't discount the proper use of a good hyphen.
3: I think we now see who are the rule followers and the rule
1: breakers in this group. It's those genre fiction readers. They like to
2: follow the rules. They like to follow the rules. Well, thank you, Liz, for telling us a little bit about yourself. And um, just want to point out that even though this podcast is called Keep It Fictional, we will cover nonfiction because Liz is a big nonfiction reader among others. So don't worry, all kinds of books will be covered on this podcast. So Sadie, what kind of books do you like to read? I, I do read
1: genre fiction. I definitely do. And I enjoy it. So my ideal genres are fantasy, magical realism, historical fiction, historical mystery, and I read a lot of YA. So whatever falls into those categories in the YA section, I will I will go towards it. Now, if you put all of those categories together in a YA paranormal historical mystery, that is my ideal book. You have found my ideal book if you just clump all of them uh, together into one. Uh, so similar to Liz, I, I may have gone slightly over my five-word limit. Um, so the, the five-ish words that describe uh, my ideal book is strong women, magic, suspense, and intriguing characters. It's six. It's six. I counted. It. it is six. There might not be any place for a hyphen in truth. yeah, no, they're all just straight out words. I, I couldn't just say characters because all, all books have characters. So I felt like I had to define that a little bit more. Yeah, that is kind of a, the genres that I enjoy. I, I I do like romance in my books, but not romance books. I like to make that distinction. I, I don't enjoy reading straight out romance, but I do enjoy books that have romance in them. Um, and I will have to say that I am i don't tend to read a lot of nonfiction, but I'm hoping to get some good recommendations from Liz on this podcast to, to delve into the nonfiction genre a little bit more, because I have yet to find, I think, the right kind of nonfiction.
2: So I am Virginia, and I am a speculative fiction fan. So my go-to genres are fantasy, horror, and science fiction. I do enjoy psychological thrillers, especially the really, really messed up kind. It has to be messed up or else no thank you. And I also love me a good police procedural. I think that's probably my favorite sub-genre of crime fiction. I am not ashamed of loving genre fiction, unlike other people. I will freely admit I love genres. Um, So five words that describe my type of story, and I stuck with five words because that was what the question was i say intense. So just give me everything you got. Like, you know, if you're going to scare me, be as disturbing, as creepy as you can be. So, you know, if you're going to throw your characters off the deep end, like make it the deepest end you can find, just dial it up to 11 every time. I That's what I need in my stories. My second word is bonkers. I love a book that on every other page, I'm like, what is happening? You know, like, I just love those crazy rides that the authors take me on. And even though I have no idea what's going on, it doesn't matter as long as it's fun and intriguing. I'm very okay with like weird books that are nonsensical, which brings me to my third word. I would say journey. I enjoy spending time with characters that I care about and being in the story with them. I find that I don't really care what the ending is. Like that doesn't matter to me. Like, you know, I just generally remember like how I feel about the stories and how I feel about the characters. So much more than what happened. So don't ask me what happened. Just ask me kind of like, what? Would I like it or not? Um, So the journey matters to me, not the destination. That's kind of my type of book. And my fourth word is ambiguous. I like endings that you can interpret in many ways just like I said, I don't care about the ending. So I like endings that can be just like, you know, you can decide what the ending is. I, I love books that you kind of try to figure out like, is this real? Is this not real? Um, I also love morally ambiguous characters, the antiheroes and all of that. So that's what I like. And the last word to describe my book, it would be sardonic I like books that have like that kind of dark humor in it, you know, self-deprecating characters. I love snarky bantering in, uh, in my space operas. It's hard to do it well. It could very easily cross the line to become annoying. But when it's done well, it's what I like in my books. So that's the kind of things that I like. I
3: just had, let's say, a follow-up question. So if the author doesn't stick the
2: landing, that doesn't ruin the book for you? it depends if it is so much fun and by the end i still don't know what's going on that's okay i'm okay with that like what is that book called library of mount char no one knows what that book is all about but everybody enjoy it and i love it so much but i have no idea what's going on so that's fine
1: see for me the ending almost makes or breaks the book for me like if i have not enjoyed a book up until a certain point, but the ending is spot on, then I will look for other books by this author. And, or if it's part of a series, I will go for the rest of the series. Whereas if the beginning of the book is, is okay. And the ending is just terrible. That makes or breaks it for me. And I will usually, I will usually not go back to, to a series or an author if the ending does not, does not kind of
2: really do it for me. Yeah, I will never get that far because life is too short. So if the book is no good in the first 50 pages, it would have been abandoned. See, that's a
1: question I'm very interested in is, is which of us will put a book down? Because I, I stick it, I stick it out. I will usually suffer through a book that I am not enjoying. Just for like the sake of completion, I feel like, just to know that I have I have read that full book. And because and sometimes the end drives draws me back in.
2: See, I think I used to do that, and then I realized there are way too many good books out there. I would never get a chance to read all of them. So why suffer? That's my take. What do you think, Corinne? I I think I'm a little bit more with Sadie.
3: Once I've invested past a certain point, like I want to give it give it the full chance. Like I've already invest. It's like if you're getting into a relationship and you've already kind of invested enough time that you might as well just kind of see whether it works out or not. How
2: does Fiona feel about this?
0: Um, I was just gonna say I'm an avid Goodreads user, so while I. Waffle on this sometimes. Like, I tend to be someone who's like, there's not enough time, just leave it. But I also don't approve of when people leave a bad review and they say they didn't finish it. So if they're like, one star, two star, I just couldn't finish it. It's like, no, if you want to give something a bad review, you have to finish it. So sometimes something's so bad, you need to finish it so you can give it that justified bad review.
2: This. What do you think?
4: I think there's very few books that I've consciously said, nope, don't like it. I will never like it. Um, It's not for me and never pick it up again. So there are some books where I will not finish and then maybe go back to later. So I'll keep it on my to-be-read list. Um, But otherwise... Yeah, I I feel like because I'm a very mood-based reader that I take that into consideration and kind of think, well, maybe this isn't the book for me right now. But if it's absolutely horribly written, like the writing itself is terrible, um, then I have been known to put that away.
3: Now I'm just like dying for a list of all the books that Liz has deemed too awful to go back to.
4: It's pretty, it's pretty small. Um, I don't want to, you know, give a negative opinion about particular authors to some people who maybe like them or are considering reading them because I feel like everybody should give those books a chance if they feel as though those books are something that interests them. Um, and also it could just be that particular book by an author. It's not necessarily all of the books by an author. Um, the concept could be really fantastic and sound good in the synopsis, but then maybe not as well executed as I'd hoped.
2: Well, there is a reader for every book. So even bad books have readers, or just bad in our opinion may not be the bad for others. So Miss Corrine, tell us about yourself.
3: Yes, yeah, so this is the voice of Corrine, uh, the one with a lot of opinions about a lot of things. I think that my reading can pretty much be summed up by I like books that Virginia hates. Usually, if there's a book that Virginia really dislikes, then it's like perfect for me. And likewise, if for me it's a five star review, then Virginia should stay well clear of it. I'm a bit of an omnivorous omnivorous. There we go, omnivorous uh, reader. I'll read pretty much anything, but there are genres that I enjoy more, and genres. Not a bad word, Fiona. Not a bad word. Uh, Genres that I enjoy a little bit more than other ones. So I read a lot of middle grade fiction, YA, mysteries, historicals, graphic novels, true crime, fantasy, romance, because it's great. I read a lot of nonfiction, memoirs, autobiographies, uh, interested in world lit, books about books. So I read a little bit of, of everything kind of like Liz, a bit of a mood reader. So depending on what kind of mood I'm in, but I don't like things that are super pessimistic or really grim, or I don't mind a little bit of gore and violence, but I don't like excessive gore and violence. I'm very disinterested in serial killers. I think they're very boring. And I don't like books that are schlocky on one hand, which are kind of like overly flowery, which I think is what, People have this conception of what romance books are like, that they're they're not serious and they're not deep. So I don't like schlock. And then on the other side of things, I really don't like things that are cynical. So you can be realistic and you can be a little bit pessimistic, but being cynical about things, I find just boring. Cynicism is
2: boring. Thank you, Miss Corinne. Well, we're looking forward to sharing more of our strong feelings with you in all our upcoming episodes, so stay tuned. Now, we're not going to do a Keep It Fictional podcast without talking about books, so I love to hear what everyone is reading right now. So let's start with Liz.
4: Well, surprise, surprise. I am reading a book originally written in Japanese that has been translated into English. Um, This one is called The Aosawa Murders by Riku Onda. And the premise of the story is that a crime has taken place. 17 people that were at a party at a very prominent family's house are all dead. They had all consumed a beverage at this party, and they've been poisoned. And the only survivor from the family itself, the Asawa family, is their blind daughter, Hisako. And so we know the crime, we know what's happened, and now it is many years in the future, and different chapters are being told from different characters' perspectives as to what they recall about the time of the crime, and what they may have seen firsthand. So the chapters weave into each other, one narrative goes into the next, uh, and through it we are trying to figure out what actually happened in the house that day.
3: Is that based on the true crime of Misumi Hayashi? So that was a, a real case in 1998 where there was a summer festival and uh, a woman decided to poison a communal pot of curry.
4: Ooh, interesting. I'll have to look that true crime up. There's no reference to this being um, based off of a true crime. Uh, however, the blurb on the back of this book does say part Kurosawa's Rashomon and part Kapote's In Cold blood. So not necessarily a telling of a true crime story, but perhaps taking inspiration from previous works of fiction.
2: Well, I know how we can solve this problem. Let's just call the library and get some reference librarians working here, and then we'll find out what's going on. Well, thank you, Liz. Um, A nice murder mystery for a nice summer hot day. So, Sadie, what are you reading?
1: I am actually going to stick on the same genre and I am reading Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson. I am about halfway through. Uh, It is a YA mystery novel um, and it starts, part of it takes place in 1936 and revolves around Albert Ellingham and his family. And Albert built a school in the 30s for uh, free education for very gifted and special children. Um, And at one point in 1936, Albert's wife and daughter are both kidnapped. The only clue that is left behind was a letter that was sent to Albert a week before in code and in riddle, signed from Truly Devious with different ways to kill someone, basically. It's a riddle about all of the different ways that someone could be killed. Now, 80 years later, Stevie has joined this school based on the fact that she knows absolutely everything about the Ellingham case. She is an expert in it. She has studied it. And as her school project, she is convinced that she is going to solve this cold case. Yet now, Truly Devious has made an appearance again. And that is where I am at. That is what has just happened in the book. Truly Devious has returned with a message projected onto Stevie's wall. And so we don't know what's happening. We don't know who it is. We don't know if it's the same person, if it's all connected, or if it's just a big joke. But it's lots of mystery, lots of um, suspense in this one. It does have that historical part of it, which I really like. I, I have always enjoyed books that have... A part of it that takes place in the past and a part of it that takes place in the present. And you're kind of seeing that mirrored story happening on um, two two different time periods. So I'm really enjoying that. I have recently gotten into the mystery genre and have been doing pretty good with not freaking myself out. This one I had to put down. This one, I was reading it at night in bed. It was dark and I just read the part where a message from this truly devious person appeared and I had to put it down and not read it again that night. So I will be going back to it. I might go back to it in the daylight.
2: Thank you, Sadie.
0: Um, Sufiona, what are you reading? I am currently reading Leah on the Offbeat by Becky Albertalli. Um, And it is my first book by her, which might surprise you because it's the second in the series um but so this is my audiobook and it is uh narrated by shannon purser from stranger things justice for barb um so she has a super snarky voice uh and i thought i was gonna find it like horrible um but it actually works really well for leah um who is like very cynical and kind of like Gatekeep-y, and those are her like sort of big issues um, as a teenager. So this is actually um, the book that comes after Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. And I watched the Love, Simon film on Netflix uh, and it was really sweet and lovely, um, but I didn't feel like I had to go back and read the book. I just wanted to move on to this one, especially cause Leah was my favorite character. And this is um, a queer book. So Leah is by, And uh, that really drew me to it because uh, there's not a whole lot of representation. So it was uh, exciting to find that. Uh, it's not, not a lot happens. And so I wouldn't recommend it to like everybody universally. I don't think it's like an amazing book or anything, um, but it was really good for me in this moment of just wanting to have an audiobook that's a little bit like slice of lifey. I tend to listen to high school books on audio. It's like more, um, makes me more sympathetic to like the teen voices when you can actually hear them, hear their thoughts. Um, So basically they're in grade 12 and Leah is just sort of dealing with the fact that she has to move on from high school um, and she feels like an outsider even among her friends who are all really focused on romance. um, And she has this crush that she can't tell anybody about. It just has a really strong character voice and yeah, a character that you don't usually see highlighted. So I'm really, really enjoying it right now. uh, And I can't wait to read more more of her books.
4: Um, so Fiona, uh, you said that you declined to read the predecessor book. Uh, so if you hadn't watched the film adaptation for that book, would you have jumped straight into the second book of a series?
0: No, definitely not. Um, one thing, this is the companion book, like where it happens with the same group of friends, but from a different perspective. So I may do that, but it's more like, I know what's going on, who the characters are. I did the same thing with Julie Murphy um, when Dumpling came out as a movie. And I just, I love the film so much, but I didn't feel like I needed to like retread that. I could just keep moving on in that universe with a different character with Puddin, which was also a really great book. But yeah, no, usually it's a no-go. Usually if you haven't read the first, like you've got to be desperate to read the second before the first.
2: So I am reading A Peculiar Peril by Jeff Vandermeer. If you know Jeff Vandermeer, you probably heard of him from the Southern Reach trilogy that starts with Annihilation that has been made into a movie. He is sort of like the master of weird fiction. And this one is also super weird, except... More like absurd weird, which I like better than his other just plain weird fiction. It's almost like a fun, so far at least, a fun British comedy, you know, like it's just absurd humor. Um, We have Jonathan here who is a teenager and he was just told he has inherited his grandfather's mansion. But before he could take ownership, there's one catch that he has to catalog all the things in the mansion. So he brought his two friends with him and he opened the house and it's like a hoarder's paradise. There's like stuff everywhere. And so he has to figure out how to catalog it all before he can actually get the house. But of course the house is much more than it seems. It is actually three doors, three mysterious doors that he discovered. And um, it led to an alternate universe, an alternate Europe, basically, and where there is a auto control crazy magician who is trying to take over the world and is waging war against everybody else with um, these, uh, like he would reanimate like landmarks. So there's like a walking Eiffel Tower that is like, you know, treading on everybody. They are like these weird monster animal abomination things. That's what Jonathan is going to walk right into, you know, into this crazy world. That's where I am right now. And um, it also has some talking carrots and talking potatoes in it. So yes, super Vandermeer and um, definitely just for Virginia and not for Corinne.
1: I was going to say that actually sounds really, really, really great. Until you got to the part about the reanimated um, reanimated Eiffel Tower, that that might be a little a little odd for me. But the, the beginning sounds sounded really cool, so I might give that one a try, Virginia.
2: Miss Corrine, what are you reading?
3: So here is where I start to cheat because um, I don't usually read one book at a time. Um, I, I find like during the week, I read a number of books at the same time. And then usually during the weekend, I'll sit down and read a book, c- a couple of books from like cover to cover. That's just kind of how I, my reading process. So because it is, we're recording this on a Tuesday, I'm actually reading four books at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, one of these is for our spaceopoly and it's the haunting of tram car uh, 015 by uh, P. Dejele Clark. And it's kind of set in an alternate history of Cairo. It's 1912, and a tram car, uh, the system that is kind of magically done by genies. Uh, one of the tram cars is haunted by a ghost, and two officials from the Ministry of Alchemy, Enchantments, and Supernatural Entities have to figure out how to depossess it. Um, The other book that I'm reading is The Glass Magician by Caroline Stiebermeyer, and it is about kind of like another historical fantasy. Actually, this feels very much like a Sadie book more than it is a Korean book.
1: Um, Even just the name of it feels like a Sadie book. Like I wrote down the name before you said anything about what it's about. I'm like, yeah, this is this is for me.
3: (laughs) Yeah, as I'm flipping through the pages, I'm like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, this is this is for Sadie. Um, it is set in Golden Age, New York, and it is about a vaudeville stage magician who finds out that she might possess more powers than she thinks. Yeah, I can see Sadie's already doing like a fist pump. This book is for her. Um, the other one that I'm reading is The Third Rainbow Girl, A The Long Life of a Double Murder in Appalachia. And so this is a true crime Story and kind of like a psychological insight into a community that is grappling with a murder of two young outsiders and how that affected them going forward in their history. So, the other book that I am really interested in is Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha. It was on the Literary Disco podcast, a highly recommended, uh, very timely book, and it examines uh, what happens in the wake of a police shooting of a young black man in Los Angeles in the 1990s from the point of view of a Black family and also of a Korean-American family and how these two stories, these two families connect and collide. So those
2: are the books that I am reading right now. So just to be fair, so it's okay to talk about four books when we ask for one book, but it's not okay to talk about six words when we ask for five. Just saying. Just saying. The question
3: was... The question was what are you reading now and I answered the question what am I reading now cuz I'm reading four books right now.
2: I'm pretty sure all of us have to make a hard choice on what book we're going to talk about. Did you? Yes. Did you or are you like monogamous reader? Uh-uh, no. I Well, that's actually that's a good question. What kind of readers are we? Do we just one book at a time or do we read a bunch at the same time? We know Corinne obviously read a bunch at the same time.
1: I used to be very one book at a time. Uh, the most I would do is have an ebook and a physical book on the go because I read when I am running on the treadmill. And that is much easier to do in ebook format when you can make the text really, really big. Um, but then I would find that I would get into the book I was reading on my Kobo and just finish it before I went back to my paper book. So I tend to stick to one book at a time. The one thing that I will agree with, uh, what Fiona said earlier is that I have started listening to audiobooks when I drive. So I will now have an audiobook when I drive and then a physical or ebook on the go at the same time.
4: Yeah, I'm with Sadie in that I used to read just one book at a time, um, but I found, for me, it's a lot more efficient if I read multiple books at the same time. So um, I'll try and mix things up. So right now I'm reading a mystery. So at the same time, I'll also maybe read some nonfiction as well as maybe a quick graphic novel or a manga.
0: I, too, like to read multiple books at once. You have your audiobook, you have your graphic novel, you have your nonfiction and your fiction all going at once. And then I usually have a middle grade too. I like to have things in different format. Um, And like uh, Liz, I'm definitely a mood reader. So it's nice to think like, I don't want anything depressing right now. I'm going to go to my middle grade or my light graphic novel. Um, But I know a book is really, really good when I'm ignoring all my other formats and all my other books because I just want to read that one.
2: Yeah, definitely multiple books for me also, but I tend to pick different kinds of stories rather than going by format to read at the same time. So I'll have a science fiction going, a fantasy going, and then maybe a couple other books that are different so I can pick up whatever I feel like reading at the time. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you, book lovers, for spending time with us. We look forward to sharing lots and lots and lots more book suggestions and book-related news with you. See you next week.
1: Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional!